Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in the Broncos podcast. I'm Chris Braden. Got Big O along the side. Orlando Franklin. The Broncos were able to pull out. Man, this was like the ugliest win I can remember. Like, it, it was just, I had a hard time watching it. It was yeah. frustrating. My wife's like, hey, in the middle of the game, she's like, hey, do you want to come with me to take the dog for a walk? And I'm like, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Let's go. It was frustrating to watch the same things we saw the week prior with the play calls coming in and just weird play calls with flea flickers all over. It was just, it was, I, the only way I can say it, and I'm going to just use a word, it was amateuristic. It just looked like unprepared, like trying to be sexy. And when you look at it from the outside looking in, you're like, this is just weird. This is yeah. the only way I could say it. Yeah. Um, where do I begin? <laughs> well, first of all, I agree with your statement about it being hard to, wa- be, to watch, Chris, because I actually turned the game off in the third quarter after really? the interception where Russ threw the ball to Cortland Sutton over the middle and Cortland didn't come down with it. Um, and just, I, I just had it. I was frustrated and, and couldn't continue to watch. So I actually cut the game off right at that point and then went back and, and, and knew the outcome of the game, but didn't really watch the end of the third quarter and all of the fourth quarter until yesterday morning at 5 a.m. Oh, wow. So I had known the Broncos had won the game. I was following along as far as the score went, but I couldn't continue to use my eyes to watch that product because it was just horrible. Um, the big issue just the miss the miss uh, the management issues you know mm-hmm. there were the broncos had six game management issues on sunday and that's why they look like they are a team that's on the bottom of the nfl right why they look like a team that absolutely struggled with the houston texans that gave up over 500 yards of offense last week to indy um, and you know, you, you just cannot bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines find reviews news for every single league, including major league baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting props and futures head to bet online today. Use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Follow up uh, your Monday night opener, your, your week one performance against Seattle with a game against Houston where you have six game management issues. Let's talk about those six game management issues. Yeah, let's do. Um, First quarter, 12 players on the defense penalty, right? (laughs) I mean, 
that's something that from Little League, right? I mean, when what, what personnel are we in, Coach? Are we in base? Oh, okay. You know, we got to have two inside linebackers out there, and we're going to have two outside linebackers and three defensive linemen and four DBs. Yep. Are we going to nickel now? Oh, one, we're going to take a linebacker out. So what personnel grouping did we call, Coach? This is not high school football. This is not college football. This is the National Football League. 12 guys out there on the field in the first quarter on defense should never happen. Right. It's so simple. You have singles going on. And for me, I'm not here giving the Broncos a pass on something like that because it's mediocre. Okay, let's talk about the second. Uh, second quarter. First and goal at the five. Fourth down. Um, uh, first and goal at the five. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so first and goal at the five, fourth down, the booze took, to, uh, took time to bring out the field goal unit, uh, the delay of game, right? So you, 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 you get first and goal in the second quarter, and all of a sudden, you, you're, you're, it's your first and goal from the five. Right. You're not able to get in the end zone. Again. There is now fourth down. You, Nathaniel Hackett gets the booze, right? So you, mm-hmm. you hear the booze that are coming out there. He looks as if he's going to go for it in that situation. And then turns out and says, no, 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 no. Let's kick the field goal. Send the field goal unit out there. And then you end up taking a delay of game. Yep. That's Again. Ridiculous. And that's just simply fixed by Nathaniel Hackett. Have a plan. Please. The second quarter right there. It is the second quarter. If you are going to kick the field goal and that's what it's telling you because, you know, the analytics are telling you that, yeah. don't sit there and allow the booze to change your mind. You're a head coach for a reason. You have to make the tough decisions, right? So let's not sit there and, and let, you know, the fans change your opinion because now you look like a coach that has no idea what's going on in right. that situation where you're, I don't know if you're paying attention to the analytical guy that's in your ear, and then you're also paying attention to the booze or what the case may be. But if you want to be aggressive and you want to go for it, go for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like use a timeout in that situation and go for it. I promise you Bronco country will never fault you for being aggressive in that situation. Nope. Right. Um, let's move on to the third one. Uh, in the third quarter, fourth and two, t- they, the, the Broncos uh, t- took a timeout after play call indecision, uh, and then Wilson f- to Sutton for the first down. So this one right here, it, it blows my mind because you're in the third quarter. It is fourth and two. Uh, you take the timeout, right? So, so Russ breaks the huddle with the play. Right, you he doesn't like it. He, he, you could clearly see he doesn't like it. So you take the timeout, right? And then after that, now you send in a play. Yeah, it is a great play, um, and you're able to get the first down. Where was this on Monday night against Seattle? We could have used that throw route in the fourth quarter and fourth and five. Yep. Um, you were going against two rookie corners, again, against Seattle in week one. 
Cortland Sutton was still out there in week one. Jerry Judy was out there in week one. Where was this type of play calling? Could have used it. You know, could have been yep. a two-week football team. Um, let's go to the next one right here. So it's fourth and two, late decision for a field goal, right? <laughs> so, and this is the one that blows my mind. Me too. So it is fourth and two in the third quarter. You have your offense out there, and you're thinking about going for it. Ultimately decide, yeah, you know what? Let's kick the field goal here. You send the field goal unit out there, and it's uh, getting ready to be a 54-yard field goal, right? Um, instead of calling a timeout as the play clock is going down, you let it, you take the delay of game. And right as you take the delay, the ball is snapped. McManus is trying to hurry it, and he drills the 54-yarder. Yep. Right? So now after you take the delay of game, it makes it a 59-yarder. Um, it's a lot easier to kick in altitude than it is to kick in Seattle. Yep. Longest field goal kick that has been made in Seattle has been a 59-yard field goal. The longest field goal kick that has been made in Colorado, Denver, has been a 64. And that was Matt Prater. And I was on that field goal unit. That's how I know that. Yep. Um, so I, I look at that and I'm like, wow, are you kidding me? So you take the delay, you get bumped back to a 59-yarder, and you're not going to attempt the 59-yarder. All of a sudden now you're punting. But on Monday night, six days before, you were kicking a 64 to try to win. Yep. In a place where it's harder to kick a football, and it's a lot easier here in Colorado. So it makes no sense to me. Um, and it's, wow, it, it just blows my mind. Uh, and I don't know why you cannot sit there right there and take a timeout in sure. that situation. Why are you not going to take a timeout? Because if that's the end-all, be-all for Brandon McManus in your mind, that we're good at 54, or you're letting, you know, the decision of last week and how you, you had to feel those questions during the week dictate what you're going to do right there, you have to take a timeout in that situation to assure that you get the points. You don't take the delay. No. Especially when you're in a dogfight with the Houston Texans. So makes no sense to me. Uh, fourth quarter, no punt returner. Nine minutes and 55 seconds left. So you burn your second timeout right there. Just When's the last time you saw that? <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable. Um, I, I know, you know, Montreal, Washington, I, I know that you're a young guy. I, I get that. But let me, this is my advice to you. In this offense, um, you're going to be in a two wide receiver set 70% of the time. And you're going to have two tight ends out there 70% of the time. With the injury to Jerry Judy, now you're getting a little play in time, Montreal, Washington, but you're the third receiver still. So you're only going to be out there 30% of the time. When it is getting ready to be punt return, the special teams coach, Dwayne Stoops, is going to be running around yelling, hey, punt return on deck, punt return on deck. That's typically when the players have a model huddle, Chris, on the, on the sideline. And, and, you know, you have your offensive guys and your defensive guys that's on that unit. They go by Stoops and make sure that, that they're ready to go. 
in a situation like that. Uh, Montreal, I know you're excited to play offense, but you're a punt returner first. At this point of your career, you're a punt returner before a offensive wide receiver in this offense, especially yeah. how this offense is deployed. Now, maybe later on, if there are more injuries to this football team, you might become a wide receiver before a punt returner. But as of right now, how it stands this early into your career, you're a punt returner before a wide receiver for this football team. That cannot happen ever again. You not going, him not being out there. Um, let's move on to the fourth quarter. And this is the first time that fans count down the play. <laughs> I heard that. I loved it. It is second and 16, seven minutes and 45 seconds left. The fans start the play clock counting at nine, eight, seven. They take a timeout. They, 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 they take a, a timeout, their third timeout, with seven minutes and 45 seconds left. In a one-score game against the Houston Texans, you have to burn your third timeout of the game. As the, as the fans are out there giving you a countdown, started mm-hmm. at 9, 8, right. 7, and it's 70,000 people, Chris. Mm-hmm. How the time clock expires, I have no idea. How do you get into a position where you have to call a timeout in that position? I have no idea. And this is, so why these are so bad? These are at home. Mm-hmm. Why these are so bad? Because you look like you became worse after week one. You look like you didn't even fix anything. So, and why is this so bad? Because you went from the loudest place in the National Football League that you're going to play all year and did a complete 180 to the quietest place because you're playing at home. Yep. And you had more miscues at home than you had the week before. And Bronco country's fed up. They're tired of it. So I, I look at that and, you know, do I, do I fully agree with everything that the fan base all, always does? No. But at the same time, I'm never going to tell a person how to fan. Sure. You got money, especially for what those tickets cost. Mm-hmm. I know like this week, San Francisco and my family has ties to both Colorado and San Francisco. So we're going to that game. And I know what I had to go fork out for those tickets. If the product is bad out there and I love the Broncos and I view the Broncos as something that changed my life. But if the product is bad, I will boo as well. Right. So you cannot tell a fan how to fan. When you're paying your money, you're allowed to have your opinion. And as long as you're not doing anything to harm a player or you're not being verbally abusive to a player or a coach, fans are allowed to do whatever they want. And when you have the big hitters, you have the Walton group, the Penner group, Condoleezza Rice at the game, the big hitters. It's just embarrassing. They didn't look like they were happy. Let's just put it that way. They kept put panning up to the box and... There were nothing but stoic faces up there. I couldn't make it to the game this weekend, so I sold my tickets to a guy I work with, and he's actually from Philly, and he thought the countdown, he goes, 
The fans are mean, man. He goes, you guys are worse than Philly. And I'm like, Listen, he just, I don't know. He's from Philly. He's from Philly. I've seen Philadelphia fans pegging the players with snowballs. He's yep. from Philly. I've seen, um, I've seen Kelsey. I've seen uh, Jason Kelsey, the center, go on the media and tell Ben Simmons, like, I promise you, if you just start playing better, like, this fan base will like you. Yep. Like, Philly fans don't play around. And he's saying, man, our fan base is mean. Yep. Fan base is fed up. They're sick and tired. They're tired mm-hmm. of the last six years and what's been spin. And they know that, hey, you just traded you just traded two first-round picks, a second-round pick. You gave away Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant for mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. Turned around now, made him the second-highest-paid player in the National Football League for a coaching staff to just have miscues and, and to hurt this football team and for this football team to have no identity whatsoever. I'll tell you this, Chris. You could have kept Drew Locke, kept Shelby Harris, kept Noah Fant, and been one-on-one right now. Sure. So the Denver Broncos could have kept Drew Locke, kept Shelby Harris, kept Noah Fant, have a first, a second-round pick in this year's draft, and be a one-on-one football team right now. So that's why this fan base is booing. Now, I, I still believe they made the right decision. I still believe that Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett, they're going to fix it. But for the record to be what it is right now, it's frustrating because this fan base knows that, hey, you don't get an opportunity to get better this offseason unless you win football games. Right. You want to, you have to try to, you have to turn this into a destination place. You have to turn this into a place where other people in this league is doing it. Hey, I want to go team up with Russ and Nathaniel Hackett to go try to win a Super Bowl. And if you don't do that, you're not going to be able to get better this offseason. The only way that you get players this offseason is if you overpay them. Because right. now you're in a bidding war with everybody. You can't get better in the draft because you do not pick until the third round. So mm-hmm. unless you're going to start trading away mega assets to try to get some, some first round or second round picks, and there's only a couple guys that you really could really put on the trading block, and those guys are guys that help this football team yep. and will, will make your football team worse for an unproven guy in the draft, right? right? Because guys that are coming out of college, you never know what their careers are going to be. So I look at those things and I get extremely frustrated. I can Sorry. understand that. Sorry, man. that's my rant. Sorry. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, is that Nathaniel Hackett came out and the, the way he spoke yesterday to the media, I was like, did ownership talk to him? Did PR talk to him? How did this kind of turnaround come? Because he finally kind of owned his mistakes a little bit. And, uh, that was necessary at this point. Like he needed to do that because let's be brutally honest. It's sad that he's become a punchline nationwide. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I 100% believe that that's the case. You know, mm-hmm. typically, first of all, normally those press conferences the day after the game happen around noon. Nathaniel mm-hmm. Hackett does his press conference at 3.15, right? And I don't know what's going on. But I could just tell you what my schedule was last year because I was an intern and had a cup of coffee out there with the 49ers was interning. Yep. Coaches get there early as heck the day after a game. So, you know, you'll watch that film around 730 in the morning with the coaching staff. Um, 
and you'll already have grades on your guys, but that's the time that you're watching that film. After 7.30 rolls around, Chris, and you're in a meeting room and the whole offense staff is in there, you're grading that film. The players show up around 10 and they're working out and stuff like that, but you don't watch that film with the players until around like noon. And that's just the position coaches are in there at noon. So it looks like to me that Nathaniel Hackett has helped him breaking down this film. So that's why he's doing it at 3.15. But still, they were late yesterday. So for me, I absolutely think that there was a a conversation with PR or somebody as far as how to answer some of these questions, as far as the best possible answer that you could give, where you could kind of try to put this to bed and not open up a can of worms like you did last week, right? Because last week it was... We experienced the first press conference was, yeah, in hindsight, after the fact, I would have went for it, right? But, you know, in that situation, McManus, what that was our, our, our yard line, you know, get him to the 46, that's where we felt comfortable. So mm-hmm. I was talking out of two sides of the mouth, where I truly believe because of the press conference starting late yesterday, there, and everything that went on in the media and made it even a bigger story of how he answered the question after the game, that it, it just, he was like, hey, the heck with this, this week, you know, how do I do this? Or maybe it was strongly suggested, hey, we want you to have a quick conversation with our PR people on how to answer these questions so we can move on so you don't become a big punching bag. Because right. you could live and respect what he did yesterday because he fell on that sword hard. Yeah. He went from Vic Fangio, where it was, you know, hey, you know, we had a great week of practice. It was a great game plan, but the players got to execute better. And, you know, we got to basically the coaches got to do better. And Vic Fangio kind of pointed the finger at everybody else the last couple of years to Nathaniel Hackett basically diving on this sword. And the only bad thing that I heard is, um, they got to do a better job of getting the information in, the right information in. So maybe that's an analytical thing. Maybe that's, hey, you know what, uh, I'm looking for a certain play and maybe somebody throws out, hey, this is the play and it's not the right play. So maybe that's why that is, those decisions are not coming in as fast as they should to Russell Wilson where that play clock is dwindling down. But it's hurting this football team. Mm -hmm. You're taking one of Russell Wilson's best assets away from this football team. And that's the ability to operate at a line of scrimmage and check into things to to now just use his eyes, see what's going on, and now put this team in the best position by not getting that play in early enough. But yes, I do believe that he was coached up yesterday before answering questions. (laughs) Do you know the interesting thing to me is, you know, all preseason – Everybody was talking about the synergy between Hackett and Wilson. And to me, just looking in there, it feels like Nathaniel Hackett and that offensive staff want to have too much control. It's almost like they don't really trust Russell Wilson yet with their offense, which is confusing to me. Do you think that's part of it where they just need to maybe let go of that control a little bit and give Russell more uh, options to go out there and make those decisions? I, I think that there has to be parity no matter what you do. So mm-hmm. if you're Nathaniel Hackett, 
you're still the head coach of this football team. You're still the offensive coordinator. You still have to make sure that you are calling the best possible plays to win. But at some point, there is a there are going to be times where you defer to Russell Wilson. There are going to be times where you trust the second highest paid player in the National Football League that he's going to be able to put you in the best position. I don't think that it should be the all Russell Wilson show, nor do I think it should be the all Nathaniel Hackett show. They have to find a way to have a happy median and, you know, a great offense with a quarterback that is gifted, that's, that's been around for the block of time or two. I think that involves about 75% of the, the coach dictating and, hey, it's this and we're doing this right now. And then there's like a 25% of, of, of Russ and, and sprinkling in and, hey, you know, I want to go up where maybe it's a suggestion, right? Hey, let's go up tempo here. Let's do stuff from the line of scrimmage. Or maybe it's a, a suggestion of the fact where Russ is actually saying, hey, like, I want to go up tempo, but I want to run it in this situation. Like, but it doesn't have to be every down, every series type of situation because Nathaniel Hackett still has, it is exciting to watch this offense. And it is exciting to see, you know, how many people they're getting involved in the passing game and how explosive this passing game truly could be. Uh, What's not exciting is having the same amount of ball carriers or receptions in, in the game. Um, it's not exciting to watch Devontae Williams and Melvin Gordon average way over four yards of carry, mm-hmm. but yet there's five other people touching the game in the run, touching the ball in the run game. Right. You're having seven different ball carriers when Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon get paid a lot of money to run the football and they're able to deliver body blows where you're now letting Cortland Sutton run and, and uh, Jerry Judy run and, those guys, I, you, you're putting them in a situation where they don't naturally do something right. running behind the line of scrimmage where you're opening this big can of worms for, or opening this the possibilities of them getting hurt. Mm-hmm. They're already hurt. Cortland Sutton could have got hurt. Russell Wilson threw Cortland Sutton the ball behind the, the line of scrimmage. They could have ended Cortland for the year. Yep. The way uh, Stingley made that tackle. So let, let's not... Let's limit the possibilities for these wide receivers to get hurt and, and turn around and hand the ball to guys that are natural runners that do this for a living and run in between the tackles. So, you know, just, just kind of watching things, it's, it's just hard to kind of watch certain things where the run game is going and all of a sudden you, you, you make a decision to go away from the run game. Um, it, 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 it just bothers me. I, and I don't know how you feel when you're watching the game, Chris, but for me, it, it's extremely hard to take. When I watch the Broncos, it's extremely hard just to put the media goggles on. Yeah. I'm heavily invested in Denver Broncos. You know, within five yards of the end zone, Russell Wilson was 0 for 5 against the Houston Texans. You know, the first, the first pass it looked like him and Cortland made the connection, but yep. they ultimately weren't able to get it. But he was 0 for 5 within five yards. Why are we not turning around the ball, turning around and handing the ball off? Why are we not putting Russell Wilson under center? Why are we not letting Javante Williams just continue to deliver the body blows? 
obviously this is not working. You're a coaching staff that doesn't believe in seven-on-seven because it's not real football. Well, we see the red zone woes. So do you believe in seven-on-seven now? Are you going to start doing seven-on-seven now? Because I can tell you one thing, that's the quickest way to get better and fix your red zone issues and the indecisiveness and the not making decisions. In the red zone, the ball has to come out right now. So I get it. You think it's not real football, but it could work on the timing aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Work on Russell Wilson's recognition of what he's seeing in that red area as far as is it man coverage, is it zone? Where does the ball need to go right now? So, and that's the things that bother me. But hopefully they're making these corrections because right. this really needs these corrections. And this is how you fix the fact that your quarterback has been in the league for over a decade and went 0 for 5 within five yards of the goal line with the, against the Houston Texans a couple of days ago. Let's talk about a little of the positives. You did just mention it. Uh, Cortland Sutton looked great this week. Uh, Javante Williams. Yeah, Javante and uh, uh, Melvin looked good. The shorthanded defense missing Simmons and Patrick Sertan goes out looked good too. So, you know, it wasn't all bad. I mean, plus it was a win, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never complain about a win, right? And you never wins in the National Football League. They're hard to come by. But I, I think it's it's a win, but then it's like, oh, my goodness, Trey Lance just got hurt. That just was Trey Lance being the starting quarterback for the 49ers was the best opportunity for the Broncos. Yep. Right now, Jimmy's going to play uh, Kittle's close as well. So what does that, that look like? And, oh, are, if you're the Denver Broncos, are you ready for the San Francisco 49ers who just ran the ball 45 times against, against Seattle on Saturday, on Sunday? So San Francisco is willing to win football games. However, the game right. takes it, right? So within with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo playing, and Jimmy Garoppolo playing majority of the snaps, they threw the ball less than 25 times in that game and ran the ball 45 times. So if you're the Broncos, are you ready for that? Can you make those adjustments where this is a football team that is going to take what you're giving them? So, um, yes, it's a win for the Broncos against the Texans, but it's like, man, you don't feel good about going into this game and you're like, the Broncos could realistically be a one and two football team after this week. You know, it's funny. You were talking about uh, running the ball. I couldn't imagine what Kyle Shanahan would do with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon back there. (laughs) It would be insane. I I, I wouldn't imagine it. They ran the ball 45 times against Seattle. They probably would have ran it 50. Yep. Clearly, they probably would have ran it 50. And, And that's the thing. People think that that's a big number for Kyle Shanahan. No. He ran it 40 times last year, Thursday night football against the Rams. And right after, right after they had traded for Von Miller, right after they got Odell Beckham June, Odell and traded for, or got him. So claimed him or whatever the case may be. Um, that's just what it is. Right. It's what the defense gives you. And for whatever reason, Nathaniel Hackett won't do that. So we'll, we'll see. Because the running game was killing them. At one point in the game, the Broncos were averaging over eight yards a carry. And I think that was in the third quarter. Right. So for the Broncos to go away from the run game and continue to try to throw the ball and get all cute, it makes no sense. No, I agree with you. This is uh, Trey Lance going down for the 49ers was probably the worst thing that could have happened for the Denver Broncos. 
in this game, Jerry Judy went down with a, a shoulder. Patrick Sertan went down with a shoulder. We got some information about Patrick Sertan. It's a day-to-day. Have you heard anything about Jerry Judy yet? It's both of them. Both of them are day-to-day. So okay. that's possible. News possible. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, we want to wrap up this game. We're going to have another show on Thursday talking about the 49ers. It was, for me, it was frustrating. It was a win. It was not fun to watch. The fans counting down the play clock was the highlight for me. And uh, watching Andrew Beck run an end around when Javante and Melvin are there ready to go was not, didn't, it just like for me, it was like a comedy of errors. But let's give him a pass and hope that we have a better, uh, we have a better product on the field Sunday night because it's nationwide TV again. Like if Nathaniel Hackett goes out there and does what he did the last two games, this might stick. You know how nicknames stick? Yeah. It might stick. Like mm-hmm. we're that close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll leave you with this. Russell Wilson, after the game, said, I believe in Coach Hackett. I believe in who he is. I believe in his understanding of the game. At the same time, there are little things that we can all do better, me included. That's the most critical you're going to see Russell be of Nathaniel Hackett. Yep. Um, It's been bad the first two weeks, and, and Nathaniel Hackett has to kind of do a complete 180 in order to hold this team accountable. This team has had 25 penalties called against them in the first two weeks of the season. If you're not taking care of your business, Nathaniel Hackett, and you continue to have these miscues, you cannot demand now that this team fix their issues. So right now, it's all, it, it's a trick, it's a snowball effect, and it all trickles down, downhill. Nathaniel Hackett has to take care of his stuff in order to now be the coach that this young football team needs to be because they have to clean up their mistakes and errors as well. So hopefully they're able to do that. Hopefully they get a great week of practice and and hopefully, you know, they could put a better product out there on the field this week against the 49ers. It's going to be a tough game. I never thought this one was going to be easy with Trey Lance. 49ers, super good team. It's exciting to watch. Just great brand of football and with jimmy g coming back that just causes so many more problems but we'll break that down on thursday good stuff oh i appreciate you buddy hey thanks for having me chris i hope you enjoyed the rest of your week you too bud thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.